podcast sponsor, Dog Overboard Adamstown, the fun and healthy place for dogs. Pet Chat on your pet-friendly radio station, 2NURFM 103.7. We do it on a Wednesday afternoon and some of the smiliest faces in all of town joining us for Pet Chat. Firstly, Cheryl Shaw, good afternoon to you. Hello, Mark. It's nice to be here. So I haven't seen you for a while, so I had to be nice. Oh, thank you. So that you're nice to me. Okay. Yeah. And Dr. Paul, good afternoon to you, sir. Afternoon, Mark. Now, you guys are doing a bit of a combined effort today. You've thought, well... You know, between us, we might be good for half a topic, so what are we going to do? Oh, come on, Mark. No, our topic today is really interesting. It's, um, it's actually about bladder disease in cats, and this is from a personal experience with our family cat. Okay, we'll look forward to that. And uh, another crack at 2NURFM's Dirty Dogs. Can you say that nice and seductively, Cheryl? Oh, after you saying that, I don't think I want to go there. <laughs> All righty. And some more of your calls as well on 4921616216. If you have a pet-type question, the guys will answer it for you. Maybe snakes. Dr. Paul, you love snakes, don't oh, you? Oh, yes. My favourite pets. Yeah. That's a bit of a knowledge <laughs> gap there for snakes. A bit of Barry White there. Is someone going to give us a, their best Barry White? No? Cheryl says, no, Paul, come on. Come on, have I a go. go that deep. Have a go. Can't get enough of your love, baby. Yeah, that'll do. See? Yeah. Close. We got you there. <laughs> That's because you. he's got a bit Thank of a cold. Day job. This week, Cheryl and poor Dr. Paul, we're having a look at uh, kidney disease with the cats. Now, you've got a personal story you want to kick us off with this week, don't you? Yeah, I do. About a year ago, a lot of members um, that listen to us might remember that um, a little stray kitten came into our yard. Well, when my son left home, he took the kitten with him and he's grown up to be a lovely cat, but last week he rang me saying, Mum, I've got a bit of a problem. The cat's not able to urinate. So by the time we got the cat to the vet, he was in a pretty bad way. Mm. The thing was that this little Stephen is his name. He had um, was unable to urinate, and this was quite a problem. Now, Paul, what is this condition that Stephen had life-threatening? Yes. So, as you would all be aware out there, the, the bladder is a only has a an entry and an exit, and if the exit is blocked, then the bladder will eventually reach a stage where the bladder can rupture. Um, urine will then be in the abdominal cavity. Um, and, and sadly death could be an outcome of that event. So what causes this to happen? So there's a lot of causes that are common and then there are some causes that are uncommon. But the most common, particularly for male cats, um, fall into two categories. There's stress and then there's diet. So we commonly see entire male cats or very large male cats on high salt diets commonly form crystals in their urine and those crystals can clump together and those clumped crystals can then clog the actual exit of the urethra and therefore block the bladder. Right. So it does happen in not just cats. It happens in dogs as well, Correct, it? yeah. Uh, and it happens in people. So people get bladder stones and mm-hmm. these can also clog in the urethra as well. So, And they're very painful conditions because, as you imagine, not being able to urinate, the pressure of the bladder building up, there's a lot of stress on the bladder muscles, and that creates a lot of pain. Okay. Is it a very common condition? Disappointingly, yes. So lots of people not understanding sort of um, ideal diet for cats in particular often feed things that are high in salt, um, lots of fish, uh, and these sorts of diets can make some cats much more likely to form these crystals and therefore block bladders. The other thing also is cat behaviour is often poorly understood. 
Um, the introduction of a new cat can be enough to cause a male cat to, to have bladder issues. They don't so much as block those bladders, but they can cause enough spasm that it causes pain and, and inability to urinate. Oh, that's an interesting thing because our family just got another two kittens delivered to their house. We just seem to attract strays. So um, <laughs> they've, they've rehomed one, but they have kept one. So that could have been a catalyst for Stephen, do you it think? It can be, yeah. A combination of things can do that. Mm. Um, and so often when you are introducing a new cat to uh, an established family, Adding another litter tray in is critical. So for every household, there should be two litter trays per cat and a spare. So, Paul, you, with, with the introduction of a new cat, would it make a difference if the cats don't get along or even if they do appear to get along, that still may be a, a problem? So certainly when you introduce any new pet, to be honest, it should be done on a very gradual basis. So ideally you have um, initially a room given to the new pet where they can bond to your house. And then after that, you then have um, shared time with yourself and your pets so that you're there to intervene if there are any interactions that are unfavourable until you allow them to have free range of the house once the relationship has been established. Mm. Sometimes too, Paul, you're talking about food and you know too much sodium or salt in their diet. Can you um, get a diet that's going to prevent these things from happening? Yeah, so certainly if you look at um, the, the, the two big factors for that are sodium and and obesity, body weight. So it's really important to feed cats only to their requirements, not to let them get so overweight that obesity can play a factor. Um, and once you have been diagnosed with crystal urea, there are acidifying diets that will try and prevent those crystals from forming again. In dogs and cats, bladder stones can form due to different um, chemical compounds. And so it's often just important to get the diagnosis for what type of crystals have been found and that there are diets that either need to acidify or make the, the um, urine more alkaline and stop those metabolites from forming. Yeah, and obviously keeping that cat underweight, which um, our poor Stephen was <laughs> struggling there, is about two kilos overweight, I believe. So Too much salt, too much fish, maybe. Uh, just too, too much, much of everything. Yeah, already. he's very indulged, very loved, but very indulged, which can create that problem. I and mean, while we love our animals, we do need to make sure that we're feeding them you know, responsibly and the correct food. So you didn't teach your son very good habits when it comes to feeding the pets, did you? Oh, well, I thought I did, but um, he does love this cat. You, you should see his, um, his cat climbing frame. It's like a Taj Mahal for cats, honestly. You would think all the exercise would be keeping him trim. Yeah, but it, it's really important if you do notice that your cat, um, Paul, is, is not urinating properly to get to the vet really quickly yeah sure so we um certainly that's a, that's a critical situation we've got a phone call regarding an inability to urinate mm -hmm. in that time is a, a real factor in those diseases things can go very badly very quickly so what will usually happen as the first sign is that either the cat will go to the litter tray very frequently and stay for longer than normal um Dogs also will ask to go out for, a lot, for, for frequent urination, but nothing is passed, and they'll assume that urinating position for a much longer time than normal. If that's occurring and no urine is being passed, that's a must-see to it. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. Often people just let their dog out and don't watch what they do. So no, actually it's important watching, to keep that yeah, vigilance up. Yeah. yeah, Even with dogs that are, that are adults and are doing well, it's always just good to make sure um, for any condition, and, and often that if you're looking for health of a pet, a urine sample is one of the first things that vets will ask for. So okay. knowing what your sort of pattern of urination is for your dog, how frequently they go on a normal basis helps you to determine if there are 
problems if they if they're, if they're outside that pattern. Yeah, and once once a cat's had um, you know their their bladder flushed for I don't know if that's the correct term. Yes, but no, that's correct. Once they're flushed, um, are things normal? Do they go back to normal pretty quickly? So it depends on how severe the initial blockage was. So if the blockage has occurred prior to the bladder muscles being overly stretched, then generally within sort of 72 hours or so, your cat will be urinating normally again. There will still often be blood passed for upwards to a week after that, that event has occurred, but normally the, the frequency of urination goes back to a normal pattern and there's no strain to urinate. But it's important to be keeping an eye on them in that time period in that re-blockages can occur if not all the crystals have been able to be removed at the first flushing. Oh, good. So if anybody's noticing anything with their cat, they need to get off to the vet. Yeah, and certainly they're... It, it, it's a thing that sadly often even requires surgical removal of part of the urethra if the blockage has been there too long the actual penile tissue can be damaged and, and require the penis to be removed oh that's pretty radical surgery that's, that's a bit too radical for me <laughs> I yeah. Say. Yeah. well hopefully you know people won't get to that point but let's hope they get early um, treatment the poor old cat he doesn't know what's what's coming up he just turns in all of a sudden where did that go that's it's right gone. <laughs> Go in a boy, come out a girl. <laughs> That's one way to look at it as well. It uh, looks like we'll have uh, Jenny joining us from Wall's End. She's got a question about her 14-year-old cat. Guys, that's uh, that's not too bad for a cat, is it? 14. Good, innings, yeah. good, good run for 14. And we are heading to uh, Wall's End. Good afternoon for you, Jenny. You've got a question for the guys about your 14-year-old cat. Yes, I have. Um, thank you for taking my call. Um, she has actually stopped peeing in her litter tray box. She's never ever, from the, from since I've had her, ever had a problem doing this. I thought it might be her tray, so I've changed her tray. I've bought a new one. I've done everything I can possibly think of. Can you help me, please? Sure. W- where actually is she urinating? Um, in the bar on the bathroom floor. Okay. Where, where her litter box is. Yeah. And is she urinating more frequently than normal? Um, just a little. Yeah, just a little bit, yes, actually, she is. Yeah, sure. So certainly cats will often choose other places to urinate if they firstly don't feel that the location of the first tray is an appropriate spot for them to urinate. So oh, sometimes, my goodness, it's been there like six years. Yeah, and some cats will find that there'll be changes that'll make that space less less happy to be in. So it might be that you've had other changes in your house that have made that space less happy. Um, it could also be that the bathroom being an, a moist environment encourages cats to urinate in that spot because it smells appropriate to urinate there. So okay. one, of the, one of the things you could do is put a second tray in your bathroom to encourage her to actually use the tray in the bathroom rather than the bathroom floor. Okay, yes, I'd, yes. I'd also be a little worried in a 14-year-old cat that there could also be some impairment of renal function and that there might be an increase in urination generally. So it wouldn't it be a bad idea to have your vet just do a test on either the urine or a blood test just to make sure kidney function is good um, and that this isn't an indicator that she's passing more urine than normal because of early-onset renal failure. Okay, I'm also myself quite quite ill, so I'm, I was just wondering if she's sensing that and reacting to my illness. So you certainly can get behavioural abnormalities related to picking up on their owner's um, unusual body language. So, so animals are reading body language all the time. They, they sort of know how we're feeling often probably more than we know how we're feeling. And so looking at the body language that you're displaying can create anxieties if, if it is changing from how you've normally behaved. Mm, that's a worry. Yeah. 
But you can certainly, you can certainly uh, compensate for that by um, remembering that how you move will give her indications of how you are. So, so faking a smile, dropping your shoulders, making yourself feel relaxed. Well, that's pretty much what we do here every day. We, we fake a smile, we pretend, don't we? <laughs> Just like Paul's doing now. That's not a real faking laugh. Faking a smile. <laughs> it's not a real laugh. laugh. Hopefully we've got some insight for you there, Jenny. Good afternoon, uh, Joe from Mayfield. Uh, you've got a dog that takes some unwanted gifts uh, along to uh, greet people. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you going? Well, thank you. Yes, we have two Labradoodles. One, the boy, Wookie, he is um, constantly frantic about taking things to people. So when we have visitors or when we come home, just before I open the door, he'll run and grab the closest thing. And it's quite funny when he tries to grab his bed because it consists of about eight pillows in a big doona cover <laughs> because he's standing on it and he's trying to frantically pull it to drag it to me to give me a present. Sure. And I don't mind. It's just that when we get visitors that we don't know and he comes out with a pair of dirty undies or a bra yeah. or whatever, it can be embarrassing. I just don't understand what it is and whether I should encourage that behaviour and say, good boy for bringing me something or if I should try and train him to maybe go out to the mailbox and get the mail and bring it in or, so, so yeah. So what is happening is he's trying to engage you in play. So okay. this, this, this is a play behaviour. So um, okay. he, he obviously enjoys games of chase or of fetch. Um, and what he's actually doing is actually trying to engage someone in that game behaviour. Ah, like a tug-of-war thing. Yeah, it's, 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 okay. often it's about the fact that he's really looking at the fact that to ingratiate himself with, particularly with guests, so what dogs are often doing when someone comes to the house is they yep. want to make themselves feel safe. And one of the okay. ways to make themselves feel safe is yep. to bond with that new person over a game. And so this ah. activity is that I'm trying to make sure I'm safe with you being in the house. Let's yep. play a game. And if that game's initiated, then that anxiety of that, some, of that person coming can be, be relieved. But also, okay. so what you can do is, is you can certainly train your dog to take a more appropriate toy if you'd like. So yep. um, dogs can often learn the names of toys very easily. And so if you can say as a person's coming to the door, grab the red ball or grab the blue dog or grab the toy, then they yep. can actually have that, um, the dogs presenting a better play toy than, yep. as you mentioned, some of, the, some of the underwear you may not wish to have displayed to the public. Yeah. I, I guess okay. it, could, I guess it could, be a, could be a lot worse, Joe. It could be biting the guests as they come into the home. Well, true, but I will give that a go and I'll get the guests to encourage to have a little game of tug-of-war when he brings the right toy and when he doesn't, um, disencourage that bad behaviour. Yeah, terrific. And to make sure the undies are nice and clean if you're going to have them out and about out of cupboards. Yes? Yes. <laughs> always a good idea. <laughs> good afternoon, Dave at Ellamore Vale. Your dog is doing something very strange with its bed. What's going on, Dave? Well, it's, she's done it her whole life. She's five years old, miniature fox terrier. And she has certain parts of her beds, because she has several beds, that she just likes to grip with her mouth with her little paws either side of them. She doesn't bite it, doesn't pull it. She just holds the bed with her mouth. And we've just been curious for years what that might mean or what it's about. Yeah. So, Dave, it's probably a repetition of the suckling reflex. And often that suckling reflex is manifested in adult dogs if they're weaned very early. Do you know what age she left her mother? 
I got her at six weeks. Yeah, so it, it probably indicates that prior to that reflex suckling behaviour being um, uh, extinguished with maturity, that that behaviour stayed. And so what that bed sucking is about is, a, is an enactment of that suckling reflex that didn't actually get extinguished properly as a puppy. Oh, I see. Oh, very interesting. No problem. And it won't hurt her like she's not. No, no. So sometimes we do have animals that have that sucking behaviour on on woolen objects, and they'll actually um, ingest quite a large amount of wool that can cause obstructions and, and irritation of the stomach. But certainly, if the bed's sort of staying stable and nothing's being ingested from that, then then there is no harm in that happening. All right, some great advice for you, Dave. It's interesting, a uh, lot of calls we've had coming through so far, isn't it? Bit of a mix. Bit of a mix. A mix. We're yep. still looking for a reptile call, though. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mark. No, maybe not. Maybe uh, not. Some people have snakes, so maybe we can get them to give us a call. And look, and they do make very good pets. Mm. Um, they, they just require. Sadly, all reptiles show they're sick when they're very, very sick. And so, my my one advice to all reptile owners is: if at, at, the, at the stage you're seeing the illness. The reptile has been unwell for quite some time previously, so don't let that one wait. There we go. We've covered all potential all snake horses. <laughs> uh, something that we have been rattling around for a little while now, and we're going to unleash Cheryl Shaw this week's uh, winner very, very shortly of 2NURFM's Dirty Dogs, aren't we? We are indeed. So for those who have been entering, can you tell, take us through what they will actually win? Oh, uh, look... The Dirty Dog competition is all about sending in your really dirty dog photos and then we select one each month and we give them a total makeover at Dog Overboard so they go home smelling really fresh and nice and they enjoy that whole spa session. We've got Cheryl Shaw and uh, Dr Paul McCarthy, the snake man. He's snake man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the You're a stirrer, stick, Mark. It, Mark. He's going to walk out of here in ten minutes and say, "Can we have a new person yeah, to look new, after me?" <laughs> we don't want that. New we don't want that person. Please. Good afternoon, Val. Now, just a quick one from you. You've uh, lost your cat in Fern Bay. What's going on? Yeah, there's a little, a little gold, little light gold. Um, very slim, like a small bill cat, males, a little few stripes on him. The ancestor's name of pumpkin. And he's been to check and he's been microchipped. Wonderful. And he went fishing two weeks ago yesterday. Yeah, it's probably been a bit of a, a tough two weeks for you, but hopefully if someone has got pumpkin, maybe pumpkins rolled into somebody's yard, uh, Cheryl, maybe we might be able to get him in contact, that person in contact with Val. Who knows? That's right. Got the details. We do. We'll get those details for you. So hang on the line for us, Val. Good afternoon, Jenny from Mayfield. Your dog is a little bit anxious. What's going on? Hi, I've got a 12-month-old uh, Maltese Shih Tzu, um, and I usually reside in Mayfield, but I'm actually visiting my daughter in Queensland. And the first night or so, she was all right sleeping. She's used to sleeping with me in my room, um, but the door's normally open. And first few nights, fine, um, but now it's um, a week and a half, two weeks, and as soon as I shut the door, she starts panting and shaking like, she does get anxiety um, in long trips in the car um, or storms and she's doing the same behaviour and she wants to get out of my room and she'll scratch the door and she wants to go into um, my daughter and her partner's room. Um, she'll sleep on the lounge. I've taken her out onto the lounge and we, she'll sleep perfectly happy in there. But that room, we're, since I turned the light out, we've tried putting a nightlight in there. We've put... Um, yeah, so there's more light in the room because it is quite dark. Um, and last night, yeah, so last night after 
numerous attempts of trying to pull away from the door and then I hang onto her collar trying to hold her tight to try and make her feel more comfortable. I did put on her pyjamas and she settled down. But yeah, it's so been night after night for hours. Yeah, so you've, you've sort of taken the dog from her normal environment into a foreign mm. environment. She's, yeah. she's around people that she doesn't always spend time with and she's being told that she needs to be in a particular room at a particular time. So that would create anxiety in, in all of us, to be honest. And so she is just manifesting the fact that where you're, being, where you're asking her to yeah. stay isn't somewhere, yeah. sadly, she feels very safe. Now, um, interesting you mentioned pyjamas. So pyjamas uh, are acting a bit like what we often, often call thunder jackets. That's which, what I thought. Yeah, which is where if you have some compression around the thorax um, with a, a more tightened outfit, it will produce a, uh, a, a calmer response in, in a lot of pets. Mm. It needs to be done prior to the event beginning. So if you're going to use the pyjamas as a help, you need to put them on before you enter the room for bedtime to try and make sure that the effect is already being started before the trigger event occurs. Um, it, it, it just may be a nicer thing for her, though, is to just find somewhere else for her to sleep. So if no, she likes to be no, on the lounge, then maybe being in the lounge would be a good spot to be. Well, would be, except she doesn't. She wants to go into their room, and they don't want her in there. Could you swap rooms? Uh, no, it's their home. Yep. Their bedroom. Oh, just, certainly, yeah. um, if you're looking for a fix for this one, the, the fix will be to make your dog feel safer. Um, and, and currently that's what she's manifesting and she's manifesting fear. That's interesting that, Paul, you mentioned putting the pyjamas on or what do you call it, thunder jackets? Thunder jackets, yeah. Is, is this related to, like, dogs and not liking storms? Is that's that right. Where that comes from? That's right. So storm phobias can often be um, helped in dogs by putting on thunder jackets before a storm comes and it just seems to release a bit more of a, a calm response um, and it can also help with desensitisation as well. So people travelling in cars, people walking on dogs in new environments, but thunder jackets can be really helpful for those. Mm. And, and like you said, the, the, the animals, they can't sort of speak to us in, in one sense of like, hey, I'm more comfortable here, this is new, but yeah, they sort of act out. That's exactly right. So, and certainly what, what's happening with the dog is that she's trying to let everyone know that she just doesn't feel safe. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, yeah, let's get on to 2NURFM's Dirty Dogs. <laughs> Cheryl, we've had lots of lots of people entering this. It's a great way to uh, get your dog a nice little scrub at a tub. You have been sifting through all those entries over the last week. I have. Look, it's Who been really a lot of fun because some of these people are so creative with what they do with their photographs and their dogs. I mean, we've got this dog in you know the back of a hearse. We've got a dog in a milk crate on the back of a trolley, and dogs on the lounge just loving life. But look, this month our winner is going to be Stella. Now, Stella is nicknamed Smeller. <laughs> because she lives on a farm by the sound of it she lives with um, all sorts of animals she's oh, lots of du ducks, geese, cows, horses and goats and she smells like their poo oh dear, mm -hmm. not very good so she needs a, she just doesn't need a bath she needs a total makeover so we're going to do that for them so Rachel's dog Stella, known as Smeller is going to be our winner it sounds like when you actually do the, the treatment you'll need to be there in those chemical suits so that the smell doesn't go back with you. You know what? It's really funny because in this it says, "This is lucky. It's a photograph and not a smellograph." So <laughs> maybe we will need those suits, Mark. Well, well, I'm not doing it. I'm not coming out to help you. Oh no! No, it's not going to happen. Okay, not going to happen. Well, congratulations to uh, Stella or Smeller, and particularly the owner Rachel, who's put up a nice photo um, of the dog in a uh, little 
milk crate, it looks like. Have a look at that, Paul. Yeah, cute, cute. (laughs) Very well. Look, if uh, you would like your dog to be in the running for next time around for... uh, Come on, you've got to say it right, Cheryl. Do it once. Come on. Dirty dog competition. There we go. That's even better than I can. (laughs) Paul, you're here, mate. Go have a go. I can't beat that one. Come on, Paul. Dirty dog. Cheryl, we cannot go a second more without having a look at this week's Dog of the Week. Okay. Show me the dog oh, of the week. Okay, I've taken it off your screen, haven't I? Let's put that back on your screen. Let's get the right thing there. Hey, Cheryl, we could not go one step further without having a look at this week's Dog of the Week, could we? Oh, look at this beautiful dog. Now I can see it. Our Dog of the Week is Gemma. Gemma's a six-month-old Bull Terrier cross puppy. She's very loving and has got a gentle nature. She's still quite young, so she'd be best suited for a forever home where she'll be able to get lots of attention and training as she's going to be a very energetic dog. Gemma knows her basic commands like sit, shake and wait for food. She has shown great intelligence and has a wonderful willingness to learn, especially positive reinforcements and a few tasty treats. And we all like those mm, treats. Don't we? Gemma is super efficient, <laughs> super efficient, super affectionate and loves to snuggle right up against people and other dogs and watch the world go by. She loves scratching all over the body and will repay you with kisses and cuddles and has been sleeping in the house without any accidents. Mm, good. Gemma is the ideal companion for the medium puppy size hole in your life. Mm. I think as well if you've got another dog at home, you're thinking you want to sort of expand the family, well, mm. this, this one might be the one. Oh, she's only young, so she could probably fit into a home where there's another pup with well, her. Well, I did say she was um, affectionate with other dogs as well, so yes. that's, that's well good. Lovely dog. We've got some details on that at 2NURFM.com, uh, our dog of the week from Dog Rescue at Newcastle. Paul, before we go uh, today, myxomatosis uh, in rabbits, that is on the rise with the bunnies. What can you tell us? Yeah, so just a, a warning to all rabbit owners out there. We, we sadly have had three cases of myxomatosis this week, um, so... It, we don't always get it come through each year, but this year we certainly have it around. So it's it's transmitted by mosquitoes. So just really important for any of those outside hutches to make sure your mosquito netting is is, is completely covered. Um, and even better still, perhaps bringing rabbits indoors uh, on dusk so they're not exposed to mosquitoes. Now, to answer the next question, um, in Australia at the moment, we actually don't vaccinate your domestic rabbits for that, do we? In other parts of the world, we do, but not Correct. here. Yeah, yeah. It's, illegal to, it's sadly illegal to vaccinate in this country. Um, we can vaccinate against the, the other Khaleesi virus, vaccine, mm. virus that we get here but sadly not myxomatosis, so prevention is the only treatment um, in that sadly um, therapies to try and treat against myxomatosis invariably do not work. Can you see that changing anytime soon? No, so I think really it's up to rabbit owners to be really vigilant about mosquito-proofing their pets. Very well. Okay, thank you, uh, Dr Paulson. Great Pleasure. advice from you this week. Cheryl Shaw, you've had a big one as well today. Thank you, Mark. It's oh. been a fun gay day. All right, fun back. gay day. No, yeah. that, that too. <laughs> All of that and more. Next week, uh, Pet Chat, and uh, thank you to everyone that rang up uh, with those questions as well. Uh, that'll be happening again on Pet Chat next week right here at 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.